tiptoe through the tulips, through the tulips, with me, oh, me, oh. Howdy doody, Michelle. Hey, hey, or ho, 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 ho. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yes, because here we are in the first week of December. And for us here at Eavesdropping, that's going to be Christmas every week until Christmas. We've got a gift for you every Wednesday. Not that it's actually confined just to December. You get a gift all year round. That's right. Extra special because it's eavesdropping Christmas time. So every Wednesday, remember to open a little window on your Christmas Advent calendar and think about us and tune on in and listen to whatever crazy talk we are having that week. One, two, three. It's Christmas every Wednesday in December. Drop the me. So will you drop with me? Drop, drop. Sexy Santa in a place to play to play to. What a hoot! What a hoot! What a pair of duffers! I thought you were going to say dickheads. (laughs) What a pair of dickheads! What a pair of dickheads, (laughs) honestly. Christmas is around the corner. Yeah, well, Christmas is always a fun time of year. I'm going to be in the Alps where it actually feels like Christmas. You actually think Santa could be coming down a chimney. Because there's snow everywhere, it's lovely, icicles on buildings, the whole works. That sounds amazing. I'm going to be in a pub. That's nice Yeah, I know, I'm looking forward to that. What about Christmas jumpers? Are you a Christmas jumper girl? Yeah, well no, I'm not. I think that's ridiculous. But for some reason this year I feel like it's appropriate. I'm going to go there. (laughs) Let's do it. I don't have one. Let's get you one. I would like one. I've got one that might fit you. It's got little it's got a little bell on it. Oh, a bell end? Well, no. <laughs> God, Michelle. What? Wait way to shit on Christmas. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, do you know what? That's from one of my favourite Christmas songs, The Darkness. Don't let the bells end. I love that song and I love the darkness too. I love them. Me too. It's a great one. Trying to make them into eavesdroppers, but I don't know if they're buying what we're selling yet. But we'll see how we go with that one. So have you had any feedback at all about our last episode? Me either. What's happened, people? It's gone a bit quiet. I know I have had some feedback, of course. We had Tamira get in touch. Tamira the modern mystic. She got in touch and she said it was a great vibe. The between the two of us, we're on form because probably because we're in the same room together, we're in the same building together. I'd same say. building, my energy, your energy. Upstairs, downstairs. Upstairs, downstairs. <laughs> and we've been together for weeks now. It's fabulous. Oh, I've been loving it, enjoying it so much, especially when we're doing our research. Uh, you're not allowed to see over my shoulder. I had to hide I my know. computer a couple of times. We're separately eating mince pies in different parts of the house, quietly tip tapping away, reading up on things. Googling, duck, duck, going, you name it. We're on it. So I've been duck, duck, going a few strange and wonderful things. Oh, yes, because this week's very jolly episode is all about strange deaths and deaths on stage. Is that right, Michelle? Yes, it is, because actually, I don't even know why we just decided to do strange deaths. Well, I know why. I'm fascinated by someone who I'm going to tell you about a little bit later, But first, I wanted to kick off by 
it's, it's very sad, the story about Helena Hutchins. Do you know that story about Alec Baldwin, who is doing a film in New Mexico called Rust? It's a country and Western film. What, what do you call it? It's a Western. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a country and Western film. That's not right. That's not a that's not a genre, Geordie. God, get it together, woman. So listen, I don't mean to laugh about this very, very sad thing, but I'm not going to talk about it too much, but just touch on it because obviously it's just happened recently. Helena Hutchins was a cinematographer on this film, Rust. It starred Alec Baldwin and she was fatally shot when rehearsing a scene in which Baldwin pointed a revolver at the camera, which was held by Helena Hutchins. And when the gun went off, it hit her in the chest and the director, Joel Souza, in the shoulder. She was phoned to hospital where she was pronounced dead. He recovered from his injuries. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on about that and I'm not going to go deep into it, but there has been a lot of walk-offs before this incident, Michelle, and it's believed to be due to, the actual incident was due to a prop gun that was loaded or a real gun or exchanged for a real gun. There's all sorts of questions. I'm not going to say what, you know, I don't know what's going on, but apparently previously two firearms on the set had been discharged and they were getting all worried about health and safety on set. That's all I know. Okay. I only thought about that because I, you know, I remember other stage deaths and we have actually covered very early on in our seasons, the Brandon Lee story. You know, he was in The Crow, son of Bruce Lee. He was shot in the very similar manner with a gun that had a bullet. No, it was because something was stuck in the chamber and the recoil apparently caused something to fly out. It wasn't necessarily a bullet, but it was something that was being fired out at such velocity that it killed him. Same yeah. with Vic Morrow. Again, sadly, that wasn't a that wasn't a gun. That was a helicopter crash. Safety oh. was was null and void on that particular film, which was The Twilight Zone which was an anthology film. We talked about that. I think it was episode three or four, Cursed Films, or is an extra droppings? I can't remember. In season one, yes. But did you know, Michelle, that Ridley Scott, who is famously safety conscious, according to all his crew and cast that he's worked with before, obviously Ridley's one of my favourites because he did a all the Alien. Well, Alien's not really my favourite. He didn't do all of them. He did Blade Runner. That's right, my very favourite film that I couldn't remember for a moment there. I've never seen it. Oh, what? I know, and I've been to Japan a million times and everyone always says that Osaka is like Blade Runner and I've never seen it. We've got to watch that while you're here. I know, okay. I mean, I can watch that a hundred times. I bloody love it. And the next one, which has just been made. Anyway, so Ridley Scott tricked Idris Elba, yum, yum, into thinking he'd really been shot in the film American Gangster. I didn't know Idris was in that with Denzel Washington. I'm going to watch that. Yeah, me too. So he tricked him into thinking he'd been shot in this scene of American Gangster. Ridley Scott insisted on not even having blanks in guns. So it was a filled barrel, no bullets at all. And in this scene, so I haven't seen the film, nor have you, but in this scene where Frank Lucas a mob boss's right-hand man, which is played, who was played by Denzel Washington, puts a gun against the forehead of Elba's character, Tango. Scott Ridley Scott said to make it more real, he wanted Elba to lean in, lead his head into the barrel so that when it was shot, the shock of the recoil would kind of make a noise oh. in space. He'd be shocked. It would be more authentic from Idris Elba's reaction. I'm so, sorry, but that's terrifying. Can it's you imagine quite actually having oh. a gun that close to your head? I know it's acting, but 
there's just been too many. Well, I think like, there's a lot of actors who misses. think twice, yeah, of doing that now. But anyway, Idris went along with it. He trusted everybody on set. And Ridley Scott said, Denzel pulled the trigger and it goes bang. Idris thought he'd been shot and dropped to the sidewalk and said, I've been shot. <gasps> he hadn't been shot. He fell to the ground. He was absolutely horrified. Poor Idris. And he may have embarrassed himself a little bit as well. Who knows? Such a big man. Wouldn't well, that be awful? Maybe it was the shock. He was in shock. Yes, he was in shock. He felt that he'd been shot. But I mean, Idris, let me just say, if you had been shot in that part of your head, there's no getting up off the floor of that. No, no, you wouldn't be yelling. You wouldn't be alive to tell the, no. to yell, yell the tale. No. But do you know what? This reminds me of Tiger King. Oh, that happened in Tiger King, didn't it? Yeah. It, do you remember? It was the the gay redneck lover. Boyfriend, yeah. Boyfriend of Tiger King was mucking around with that gun and just went, ha, 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 look at this. Bam, shot himself in the head. And wasn't that on CCTV? They showed it in the actual yeah. documentary. Horrific. The guy was traumatised who, yeah, the guy who witnessed. witnessed it. And he was, I mean, to this day, he's completely traumatised. Also, in uh, there was another incident very similar to what you've just described, Michelle, in 1984 on a TV show, which I've never seen, called Cover Up. And in one of the scenes that was filmed on this particular day, it called for the actor John Eric Hexham's character to load bullets into a point forty four. Did you say point four four or point forty four? I think point four four. Point four four Magnum handgun. Okay. He was provided with a functional gun and blanks, but the scene did not go the way the director wanted it to. So they had a long delay and they had to set up the shot again. And in that time, Hexen became really restless and impatient waiting. So he started playing around, trying to lighten the mood. So Hexham had unloaded all but one of these blank rounds into his gun, spun it, did exactly what you just said, the Russian roulette thing, and oh, he shot himself. God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so, so in the same way that Brandon Lee was killed, some blanks use paper or plastic wadding to seal gunpowder into the cartridge. So that wadding is then propelled. The stuff that's inside the gun, oh. even though it's a blank, the stuff that gets propelled through at such force that it causes serious injury or even death. Yeah. Especially if it's close, close uh, proximity. So it didn't penetrate his skull, but it yep. caused enough blunt force trauma to fracture a small piece of his skull and propel that into his oh. brain, which caused massive hemorrhaging. Sorry, Mish. Oh, God. Trigger. It's just Quite literally trigger. Literally. But it's it's just such a, a waste of a life. I know. know. So he was rushed to hospital, sadly, six days later. So he didn't die straight away. He was six okay. days in the hospital and then he passed away. He was only 26. I think that's worse. Yeah. I think if you're going to go, go quick. Yeah. No, exactly. Don't hang around in hospital. Ugh. So there's other famous deaths on stage and film. This one is a TV show in 1984. It was a comedy or magic show. I'm not sure. But it's the comedian and magician, British national treasure, Tommy Cooper. He died live on stage. Michelle, did you know that? No, I didn't. He was the one with the red fez. Okay. Yes, I do know. Yep, yep. That guy. So he was very popular in like the 70s, 80s. Yeah. And he famously died in front of a live television audience and the TV cameras were rolling when it happened. Oh. You can see the footage when I was researching and I was like, there's no way I want to see that. I never want no. to see that. It's awful. No. Those poor people who did witness it were probably scarred for life and wish that they had never witnessed either 
Anyway, it was a show called Live from Her Majesty's Theatre and it was at Her Majesty's Theatre in Westminster in London. Yeah. During the act, he suddenly slumped down and subsequently collapsed. At first, the host thought it was part of his act. And so did the audience, Mish. And uh, that's they what all I was thinking. Laughed. They laughed. No. Mm. <gasps> they thought it was a joke. Oh my god! And he's a. That's he's the whole dying. not not waving drowning. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Exactly. So he collapsed, fell back onto the stage curtains. That when the that's when the director realised that something was really wrong. So they switched to an unplanned break, and they yep. were able to pull him. Uh, from the curtains and they attempted to revive him but unfortunately he was pronounced dead shortly after <gasps> at the hospital yeah no. I, w- I mean I guess we're too young yeah yeah way too to young. know this <laughs> way too young but because those sorts of things you would think would be sort of in the zeitgeist but I I didn't know about that well it's, it was a long time ago yeah. yeah but speaking of things that you think would be in the zeitgeist and that you'd know about did you know that in 1996 tiny tim Tiptoe through the tulips, <laughs> through the tulips with me, oh, me, oh. That guy, right? Yeah, you know that what guy. I'm talking about, yeah. I do. He suffered a heart attack just as he began singing at a ukulele festival. No. But he survived and was hospitalized for three weeks and told never to play live again because his weight was out of control, his health was oh. down the pan. But he ignored, he ignored that advice, Michelle. And two months later, he was back up on stage performing to a near empty hall at a women's gala in Massachusetts when it happened again. No. Halfway, yes, halfway through, tiptoe through the tulips. He made it off stage, but collapsed and never regained consciousness again after that, which is really sad. Oh my God, that is really sad. But I wonder if he just was at the end of his career. So I always think everyone's at the end of their career. He's yes, got nothing left. Are, according to Michelle. Yeah, nothing left. No one came to see him. He thought, I'm in the States. I need I need every what cent cent I can get. And that's why he kept going. Every dollar, every dime. <laughs> because why else would you go against health advice like that? I know. Maybe he oh, needed the so dosh. Sad. Yeah. But going back to Tommy Cooper, I know it's awful that he died on stage and he died while that and people were laughing. Mm. But perhaps that's what he wanted, being a comedian. Maybe it would have been comforting to hear the laughter as you fade away. I don't know. I don't Do know. Do you think? We'll, we'll never know. I we'll don't never know. But Tommy, if you're listening, if you're an eavesdropper up there, get in touch. Do you think they're eavesdropping in the ether? Maybe. (laughs) But listen, the reason why I was interested in deaths on stage is because I've always been fascinated with the hardcore punk performer, Gigi Allen. Not a fan of his music, I must say. I was introduced to the whole Gigi Allen story by a mutual friend of ours, Chris Campbell, who thought he was, I don't know what he thought of him, but... You know, we used to listen to a lot of hardcore punk back in the day. Yes, I was wild. I was crazy too, but not as crazy as Gigi Allen, who was known for his outrageous live performances. Like he would shit on stage, Michelle. He would self-mutilate. He was always naked. And the thing about Gigi Allen was he famously promised his fans and the world that he was going to commit suicide on stage. No. And that was <gasps> that was darkly interesting to me for some reason as a as a teenager. I just thought, "Oh, that's interesting. Is he going I was horrified and and frightened that he might, 
But I never really thought of him much. And then that's why I suggested we do this episode, because I wanted to look into Gigi Allen and find out, did he ever do this? Okay, I'm I'm intrigued. I, w- I looked into Gigi Allen and his history and a little bit about him. Yeah. And he was actually born Jesus Christ Allen. That was the name he was given at birth. Do you right? know what? Parents, I'm sorry, but if you're going to give your kids a God complex right from the beginning, what do you expect? <laughs> They're going to rebel. They're going to turn against you. Well, I think that was the idea, Michelle, that his father, who was a religious zealot, he had mental health problems, it turned out later on. He, ha- he said he had a visit from the Messiah himself and told him his unborn son would be as great as Jesus Christ himself. And that's what he should be called. He would be the Messiah. He would be God. He would be the Lord. Wow. So he became known as GG because his brother couldn't pronounce Jesus. So it became GG. Okay. But anyway, this family had a strange upbringing. The father was violent and he was unhinged. And they were living in a log cabin with no electricity or running water. And this abusive father would threaten to kill his family and even dug graves in the basement, threatening to commit murder-suicide. So eventually his mother left and, or she actually, she tried to, she tried to leave and the father kidnapped her two boys. So she had to come back, but eventually she did get away with the boys and they were raised in a relatively more stable and and lovely upbringing with a new stepfather. She changed his name to Kevin by deed. Paul sent him to school, but he never fit in. He had really sub like substandard intelligence levels. He was picked on, he was bullied and he was cross-dressing at this time as well. Plus, you know, if you think about the upbringing in the beginning, it was it was pretty out there. It was pretty tough, I think, because his father, Merle, despised any form of pleasure and he would al- wouldn't allow his family to have any contact with other people at all. And they lived a really primitive existence and they were more like wow. prisoners than a family before all this. So eventually Gigi becomes the, uh, the drummer in loads of punk rock bands and then he becomes the lead singer and songwriter. So he's front man in lots of acts in the early 80s in bands such as Cedar Street Sluts, <laughs> the Scum, <laughs> the Scum Fucks, and the Texas Nazis. But eventually, he and his band, the Murder Junkies, become firm members of the underground hardcore scene. And by the mid to late eighties, Gigi Allen was an alcoholic and drug abuser of any drug that came his way, and his shows got wilder and wilder. At one point, Michelle, he ate a tampon on stage. Oh. He got his red wings. <laughs> oh, God, Michelle. <laughs> then he got his brown wings. No! Because then he started to poo on stage. Trigger warning, guys. I'm really sorry. And he used to cause loads of damage to all of the venues that he'd play in. He'd be thrown off stage in all these venues after only a couple of songs. So how he managed to get all these fans, I'll never know. Now, I read an interview with a guy called Fat Mike of the California punk band No FX. Do you know them? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he says this. Now, trigger warning people, I'm very sorry about some of the language and some of the descriptions of what's about to take place. So Gigi, he says, Gigi prepared to do his shows by drinking whiskey and taking X-lax, that's the laxative, the entire day. The band started playing and as soon as Gigi took to the stage, he took this shit that came out like water. (gasps) I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but basically it turned into a little circle. Then, now this is where it gets upsetting, he got down on his knees and he... I'm not going to use Fat Mike's words. He ate it and he spat it into the crowd. No! 
Jello Biafra was there from the Dead Kennedys and Fat Mike put Jello in the way. So he used him as human shield. <laughs> human shit shield. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, all these punks who think they're so outrageous, that was divisive for them. Like a lot of them would leave. A lot of them, well, they, he says, half the crowd left right there. And then yeah. 10 people threw up. And <laughs> Only 10? Only the 10. So now Gigi and his band were playing and everyone was at least 10 feet back. And that was the first song, Michelle. Wow. So now there's more room. He threw a bunch of glass on the floor and began to roll in it. Mike continues on. He says he grabbed this blonde girl from the audience and was just on top of her. She was screaming. It wasn't fun. It wasn't consensual, but nobody wanted to touch him. He was covered in shit. Oh, my God. What was he doing to this girl? Uh, well, I think he was abusing, sexually abusing her. I don't know. He was probably naked. That's what he used to do at all of his shows. He proudly says that that's what he would do. Oh, my God. And there was glass on that floor too. Glass, that poor girl. yeah. She wasn't Fuck. having a good time. They eventually got him off and then he went around the audience and started hitting people with the base of the mic stand. Then a girl who was into all of this came on stage and Gigi Allen just kicked her in the face right in the jaw <gasps> straight away. She went home with him after a visit to the hospital. Oh, my God. He went to the hospital. She went with him. And at the end, they got together. But um, Fat Mike says that one of his knees was so cut from the glass on the floor that every time he took a step, blood was spurting out. He said it was absolutely terrifying. Oh, my God. And he said no one wanted to go near him. He stank of shit all the time. He used to talk, His song lyrics are awful, talking about all sorts of horrible things. How is he still getting gigs? Like, who would It was the 80s. It was punk. It was yeah. punk times. Yeah. He was fascinated with serial killers, and he promised that he would, like I said, commit suicide on stage in Halloween of 1989. But by that stage, he was in jail, so he couldn't do it. Then huh. he continued to threaten every year from then on that he would, but he kept getting imprisoned every year i wonder what he was in prison for all sorts of things well he was violent and i don't know if there was sexual abuse but he said he'd been in prison for two years altogether but over a period of 53 arrests so dude's got some issues he's got some issues because i watched an interview you can see it on youtube it's in june 1993 his last interview michelle he appeared on a show called the jane whitney show and i think he was also on springer before that jerry springer i love a bit of jerry springer go and check it out it's a segment called america's youth gone wild and this was his last interview like i said he said he comes on he says he wanted to be the messiah and lead the kids of america into mayhem and they're going to be my kids i will own them he was really aggressive to the audience really rude to the audience i wonder if he took a shit on the jerry springer show (laughs) he said that he he said he would commit suicide and he'd take his fans with him and when jane asked him you know what do you mean he said he was going to make them commit suicide as well or he would just kill them he also said that he was you know the prophet and the messiah and who else at 30 age of 35 could sleep with 12 13 16 year old girls boys and animals at this point the people in the audience are going huh what? Oh. There's some fans who are laughing. Some people are clapping. Not very many. Anyway, he went on to say that he would rape both women and men at his concerts. He'd fight them and he was always naked. Well, he didn't say that. I just noticed that he was always naked. <laughs> but do you think he was just 
it was just all talk. It was just all talk to be, you know, yeah. divisive. No, and I think he, he'd actually said, listen, you're all there in your uniforms. You know, people are wearing very 80s outfits. He's sitting there in a pair of pants with a stick and a Nazi helmet and some sunglasses right. and, a, and a weird moustache that's been shaved in the middle. So it's just got the moustache on each end. And and Jane says, well, what about you? You're in a uniform. And he said, this isn't a uniform. I'll tell you, like, if you see me tomorrow, I'll be wearing this again tomorrow. To me, that's if you wear it more than once, mate, it's a uniform. <laughs> he said, I'll still smell this way. So I think he must have still been covered in shit. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Probably all dried with flies around at that <sighs> point. Anyway, later on, he had these two girls on, 17-year-old Liz and Wendy, who sat next to him and said they would do anything for Gigi, including die. Wendy said, this is the, where it gets really disturbing, so trigger warning. She said, he's my God, he's my daddy. <gasps> and when everyone was like, what, what do you mean? He said he'd adopted her. And he said, and what did we do on Father's Day? No. You don't want to know. Oh my God, I can already Shall I tell imagine. You? Go on. Trigger. <laughs> she said, he gave me the great gift of letting me watch him masturbate. And then I got to piss in his mouth. <laughs> Can you imagine the audience at Jane Whitney's show? They'd be fucking <laughs> losing it. So it's it's frustrating. It's horrible. This man looks like he is definitely narcissistic. Apparently he did have disorders, like personality disorders. No shit. <laughs> all the shit, Michelle. All the, all shit. the shit. To me, he reminded me a little bit of Manson, Charles Manson. Okay. Wanting to take these people with him, trying to, you know, getting all these fans and these young girls on board, all nihilistic, we're all going to die. Oh, that's the other thing he said as well to the audience. He said, you're all going to die these really sad little deaths, not like me. I believe that you, when you die, you're at your peak when you die and you've done everything you need to do and that's when you die and that's what's going to happen to me and I'm going to kill myself and everyone else and and I am the Lord and the God and I'm the best and I'll just do what I want and I'll have who I want and I'll do what I want and I'll suit myself. So this is the way he was speaking. Be- because when you were speaking earlier about him, it did seem a little, you know, cult leader-ish. The girls sounded like they were, in fact, at one point, Jane says, you sound like you've been brainwashed. Vulnerable girls who were Vulnerable yeah, girls. seized. Gigi Allen did play a last show in 1993 to Punk Club in Manhattan, but the show ended after three songs when fights had broken out in the crowd. In the end, Alan ended up outside with a bunch of fans leading them through the neighborhood. So they walked around and around for about an hour or so until they went to a punk guy who I don't know if he's in a band. I didn't look him up. Johnny Puke, his name was. (laughs) Real name. (laughs) Real name, guys. Birth name. Well, it could be something like Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what Gigi Allen was called. Bizarre. Anyway, Johnny Puke, that he had a little party. They went and took some drugs and both Johnny and Gigi Allen took so much heroin that they both passed out. And that is how Allen died. He didn't die on stage. That's a letdown. I'm sorry to disappoint. But the next morning, Johnny Puke woke up and noticed that Allen hadn't moved an inch. So he posed for Polaroids with the corpse before calling <gasps> for an ambulance. Ah, oh. I know. Gigi Allen was 36. And if you're interested in finding out more, then there's a documentary called Hated. Oh, fucking hell. Did you watch it? No, I watched the interview with Jane Whitney. That was it. What a terrifying story. I feel like I need a shower now. Yeah, yeah. But what, I mean, now that you know as an as an adult looking back at your childhood self, do you think, fuck, what did I find so intriguing about him more than, oh, he's going to kill himself on stage? 
die on that stage. That was it. I mean, I didn't know anything more about him. No, we didn't have the internet back then, Michelle. And I didn't really, I'm, I was into hard, the hardcore, US hardcore scene. Definitely, I loved Dead Kennedys and I loved Henry Rollins and Black Flag and all those bands. Mm. But Gigi Allen was one step beyond for me. And if I heard any of his music, I don't think I would have liked it. No. I liked Bad Brains. It was just, he, he was more about the story around yeah. him rather than his music. Yeah. And it was all about the myth. Yeah, exactly. And he did look a bit like Manson. He, I, think, I think he does look a bit like him as well. It's that kind of morbid fascination that you have with these characters. Don't want no vanilla slice. Don't want no iced bow. Don't want no chucky wagon wheels. We've got Nenish Tart for Smoko. You right there? Give us a like. The two-tone taste of fabulousness. Two birds yakking. Well, can I tell you... The other, oh, a few weeks ago, um, I don't know why, but I was in a band and the song came up on YouTube and I thought, oh, blast from the past. And I clicked on it and then I scrolled through the comments oh, and there was a comment which, and this was probably from about 10 years ago, but it said. Who's that little bitch? No, it said, girl looks like Marilyn Manson. No! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. They're so mean on YouTube. Horrible. Guys, this is why we need our lovely eavesdroppers to go on our YouTube channel and subscribe because otherwise we get get mean comments. We get trolled. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Merry Christmas, everyone. I look like fucking Marilyn Manson. Anyway. (laughs) Hey-ho. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was a really disgusting story. Thank you. Well, I've got some disgusting stories too. I can't wait to hear them. Strange deaths. Okay. Oh, well, they're not really as disgusting as yours, but... Aren't they? Oh, I'm disappointed. No, well... And embarrassed. (laughs) Oh, well, look, this first one, it's about this 27-year-old mother of three. Her name was Jennifer Strange. Uh That's her actual name. And this happened in January 2007. And she entered a radio competition in Sacramento. Radio station was KDND 107.9. And the competition was called Hold Your Wee for a Wee. So basically you had to drink loads of water, hold your piss in. And the person who held their wee in longest would win a Nintendo Wii. Oh, that's not even worth it. I mean, they don't even make them anymore. They're so outdated. (laughs) <laughs> well, this was 2007. Okay. So, yeah. So, I guess maybe it was like the shit hot thing to have. So, it came down to 20 people. And, you know, like I said, the, the winner was the person who drank the most water without going to the loo. Crikey. And I did some duck duck going on this and I couldn't find uh, whether or not they were all in the radio station doing this or not. But I kind of think they had to be in the same room. Otherwise, you would just pretend you know, to drink and, and mm. not go to the loo. Mm. Because if you're just on, on the phone, you can't do a wee while someone's on the phone. Yeah. I mean, Because I know this because you've done it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've done it to you as I'm well. I'm sure you have. You know, this reminds me of something like Touch the Truck or They Shoot Horses, what? don't they? Well, Touch the Truck, you know, when you had to, there were those competitions where you used to have to put your hand on a truck and stand there and touch it. And the last person standing wins the truck no matter how long it takes. What? I've never even heard of that. That's a, That was a thing in the 
That's 90s, horrible. 2000s, I know. And then, of course, there was that wonderful Jane Fonda film, They Shoot Horses, Don't They, which is set in Depression era United States. And there was a dance competition, one of those competitions that you had to dance all night long. And the last couple standing won some money. And money was in short supply back then, so it was food. Right. I never saw that film. That's another one it's we good. need to watch. Mm. Well, like I said, there were 20 people in this competition. And Jennifer... She drank seven and a half litres of water. Whoa. And thing is, she didn't even win the wee. She oh. came second. Jesus. But she joked on air, oh, I look pregnant again. And after she didn't win, she came second. She apparently threw up and drove home. But she wasn't feeling so good. So she rang the office and according to a news report, she called a colleague at her job and told them, listen, I'm feeling really unwell and I've got this splitting headache. And her colleague was quoted as saying that she was crying on oh, the phone because no. she was in so much pain. And that was the last time any anyone heard from her because later that afternoon she was found dead. Oh, no. From water intoxication. Oh, what? That's a thing? Yes. Now, look, I don't know if you remember this because this case instantly triggered a memory from the mid-90s of that girl, Leah Betts. Oh, yes, yes. She was that girl who took the E and then drank loads of water and then, like, internally drowned herself. And I think that was the first time I'd ever heard that drinking too much water could kill you. Yeah. And, look, I looked into this and the way it works is if you've drunk too much water – And apparently they say anything over three litres could be too much. Mm. Then your blood becomes diluted, which then reduces the plasma sodium levels. And that can be deadly. And in Leah's case, the water was sucked into her brain cells under osmotic pressure. And this caused her brain cells to swell and cause then again increased pressure on her brain which led her to fall into a coma and die. Well, that's horrific. So basically, this is what happened to poor Jennifer. She'd had more than double her water intake because she had seven and a half litres. You know, that right? that is so, so irresponsible of the radio station to come up with this yeah. ridiculous idea. I hope that they were prosecuted. Well, like everyone in America, the family sued the radio station and it went to court and a Californian jury decided that the radio station was liable for her death because apparently there was a a show host and somebody rang in and said listen this competition's really dangerous Mm. they're like no no it's absolutely fine basically Jennifer's family won 10 million oh wow okay yeah, they sued. They they successfully sued the radio station, mm. and I just think it's so awful because, you know, she didn't even win that bloody wee. I know. You know, and she just lost her life oh, for no reason. That's tragic. I know. So it, in a way, I feel like these strange deaths are life lessons. People, they're life lessons because you always think, oh, got to hydrate, got to hydrate, but actually, you can go too far. So just just watch it. Yeah. And. So- uh, that's one life lesson. And also the other one is don't do silly things for, you know, just a bit of plastic that's going to be outdated in a couple of years. Write in, but don't do silly <laughs> things. 
you can you can you know send send a self-addressed envelope on the or the back of a postcard or something but that's it don't do anything more well do you know what there is a whole section on wikipedia and look i got lost in a in a random wormhole with this if you just type in list of unusual deaths into wikipedia yeah it it comes up look i'll put a link in the show notes to it there are lots of ways you can die that you've never ever thought of and in fact one horrible one because like i said i lost hours going down a wormhole of horrors yeah i mean and trigger warning here trigger warning warning trigger warning look out trigger oh my goodness warning. brace yourself mavis <laughs> there was a guy who was literally shagged to death by a horse this guy, I mean, it's disgusting. This guy, Kenneth Pinion, who's now known as Mr. Hands. And I actually don't why? know why he's got that nickname, but it's absolutely disgusting. Oh, because you have to measure a horse in hands. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's probably it. I didn't even think of that. Oh, that's disgusting. Yuck. Well, he was basically anally ruptured by a Oh, stop it. I know, and he was not a good guy. I mean, that's disgusting. That already makes him not a good guy. But, okay, he was definitely not a good guy because A, he was having sex with a horse, but B, he was selling the video oh, of himself. God. So, you know, on bestiality sites. Oh, I really need a shower now, Michelle. How did this Christmas episode oh. get so disgusting? Happy holidays. Yeah, happy freaking holidays. Anyway, so look, here's another bizarre death, which is quite grim and it also involves an animal but not in a disgusting way it's just really sad actually so this happened in 1981 on the 20th of july and this guy david kirwan who was uh, 24 years old he's from california he was driving through yellowstone's fountain paint pot thermal area in wyoming so yellowstone national park it's like a place where all these thermal springs are okay and he was with his mate ronald ratliff and ronald's dog moosey so they got to the springs around lunchtime and they parked their truck to get out and you know take a look around the springs except that moosey who was meant to stay in the car got out of the car And he jumped out of the truck and ran towards one of the springs called the Celestine Pool. Naughty Moosey. Naughty. Naughty Moosey. And look, he ran towards it and just jumped in. But poor old Moosey, he immediately started barking and yelping. And according to reports, David, well, David didn't even own Moosey. It was Ronald, but... David thought he was going to be a bit of a hero and he jumped in to save the dog. Boiling water, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. David did not realise before he dove in, head first into that water, it was 200 degrees Celsius. Oh, my God. Yeah. Look, according to reports, he jumped in and he kept trying to swim to try and save this dog. But eventually he turned back to get out of the spring and finally... With the help of his friend, who had just from putting his feet into the spring to help his mate, got third degree burns oh, on his feet. Jesus. He managed to get pull his friend out of the spring, and and this guy David turned around and said, "That was stupid. How bad am I? That was a stupid thing oh, I no, did." Oh no, don't, Michelle, because I'm already feeling quite shocked and horrified by this story. Well, should I trigger warning? Yeah, trigger. It, it. was bad. Oh. Trigger everyone. Trigger. 
he was right. It was a really stupid thing to do because... Oh, I don't even know if I can say it. Oh. It's so awful. It's so awful. This is not Christmas. What were we thinking? Trigger, trigger, trigger. What were we thinking? Oh, I don't know. It was it was true true crime and true life. Oh. But here we go. So. Okay, skin, skin peeled he, off. No, well, first of all, he boiled his eyeballs. Stop it. And he was blind. Then... Apparently, rangers reported that they found two large pieces of skin in the spring in the shape of his hands. Oh, God. And then then when a bystander tried to help him by taking off one of his shoes. Oh, no. His his skin, which was already peeling off his body, just it all came off with the shoe. God. And he had third degree burns all over his entire body and... He did die the next morning oh, in a Salt Lake man. City hospital. And Moosey didn't make it either. No, no, so. no Moosey wouldn't have made it. Uh, that's horrific. Thanks, Michelle. It is horrific. Why did I think that would be a good story? I'm so sorry. Uh, I just think the pain must have been excruciating because I burnt my hand in hot water in the summer and I ran. Luckily, I was somewhere where there was a pool. I ran like the clappers to get to that pool and I had to sit there with my hand in the pool for an hour. And after that, I had to hold on to ice all night long. Well, what I think maybe happened was that he dove in the water and because it was so hot, he didn't notice. his body actually registered it as cold. Because yeah. you know how sometimes yeah. you can get that feeling. I mean, I remember I was at my sister's house in Australia and she has induction, induction oven mm. and stovetop and she was cooking pasta and I said oh I'll take over I was stirring the pasta and somehow there must have been a surge or something and the water boiled over my hand because I was stirring and I had to go straight to the to the emergency and I had burns all over my hand and yeah it was wasn't fun and I think back to that and it did not register for a second or so which Normally, that's a long time mm. to like not pull your hand away. And I think it was because I did think it was cold or the sensation took time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that poor dog and that poor guy. Yeah. But the life lesson here is don't jump into a hot spring. Yeah. Don't jump straight into any body of water without checking first if it's not too deep, if it's not full of nasty creatures or if it's boiling hot or freezing cold yeah. can also kill you as well. Thank you, Michelle. Have you got more horrific stories? Yeah, of course I do. (laughs) So here's another life lesson. If you've got chickens, make sure you feed them because... Oh, God, they uh, they eat you alive. Well, in Belgium, there was a guy, and I'm just trying to find his name. Oh, here we go. Called Franz Jomotte. And he's from Belgium. Beautifully, beautifully pronounced there, Michelle. <laughs> I'm getting better. <laughs> what happened to him? Well, he was found dead on his farm. Uh, the police went and during their investigation, they they found that he had 200 chickens on the farm and not a single scrap of chicken feed <gasps> anywhere. So what they think is that, because he was found mutilated. Oh, my God. Is that the will of those chickens to live was great. It was strong. (gasps) And they descended upon poor 
old, uh, what's his name, Franz, and pecked out his eyes oh. and pecked his heart, all in the name of survival. Wow. That's a life lesson. Feed your animals. Feed your animals. <laughs> uh, aren't chickens descended from the dinosaur? Aren't they one of the only things? I don't know if I'm making this up or not. This could be one for Al Taggart. Uh, yeah, get in touch. Not her. sure if I'm right, but I know that there's something really amazing about chickens. It's like the Daddy Long Legs, which has the okay. the like Daddy Long Legs has the most deadly venom, but they have no fangs with which to administer it. Thank God. Maybe if the chickens can fly, and they can't, but if they could, they would be. Mm. The scourge of the skies, pecking out <laughs> eyeballs as they go. Do you know what? I think they're probably generally quite placid, but if you don't feed them, they get upset. They're going to kill yeah. you. <laughs> they do get upset. Wow, Michelle. I have one last story. It's quite an intriguing story. So I'm going to just pack it down, condense it. All right. So this was one I found on that Wikipedia page I talked about earlier. So on this happened in 2010, there was a guy called Gareth Wynne Williams and police went to his flat in London after his work colleagues became concerned that he hadn't shown up for work for a few days. And actually, I think it was a, a week. And look, they knocked on the door. They got no response. So they, you know, managed to get into his flat and they took a look around and then they checked the bathroom. And in the bathtub of the main ensuite in the bedroom, was a red North Face bag that was padlocked from the outside. Oh. So one of the policemen tried to lift the bag out of the bathtub, but a ready brown liquid started to ooze out of the bag. So he just left it there and went to get a knife so he could cut open the bag to see what was inside. And what he found was a naked decomposing body in the fetal position. Now, when this went to pathology, they said that the guy had probably died a week before he was found. And investigators from like the Met in London who'd been looking into the case, they agreed that it was impossible for this guy to have locked himself in the North Face bag. And an inquest into his death concluded that his body had shown no signs of struggle. He had no booze or alcohol in no alcohol no or booze drugs or alcohol. in his system no booze or alks he just had drugs no he had no drugs no. in his system and that his death was unnatural and was yeah and, and it looked like foul play yeah. so there were his family also said on record that and the police never said this or if they did it was covered up and that's there's a lot to this mm-hmm. but there were no fingerprints on the bath and the fact it was the height of summer in August, but the flat was heated to a ridiculous degree to decompose the body quickly. It seems like a pretty open and shut case, except the police reinvestigated this case and disputed these findings, which sounds crazy because the padlock was on the outside of the bag. Like, how can there be anything? But turns out this guy, Gareth, was a mathematician, and he was an employee of GCHQ, which is the whole Bletchley Park. MI5. Yes, MI6. MI6, wow, yes. 
I remember this story, Michelle. You do remember yeah, it. The spy in the bag. Yes, I do. Yes. So he was this crypto analyst. He was an elite code breaker. And look, there were all of these things. That, was he killed by Russian spies? Because he was involved in money tracing and money laundering, Russian mafia kind of situation. So that was one theory. Or was he killed by British spies? Was he going to be a whistleblower? Yeah, you know, because he'd actually, just a week before he went missing, he was, he'd asked for a transfer out of the London office. So I think maybe, who knows, maybe he found something. I don't know. Gosh. But they investigated his private life and they were trying to make out that he was a cross-dresser because they found loads of women's clothing in the apartment. But the family say, listen, you know, he he was a bit of a loner. They never knew anything in terms of whether or not he was gay or transsexual or bi. They said the clothes he'd bought because they were all, they all still had the tags on. They said they were gifts for the sisters because he often gave them gifts. And also they were in his sister's size. Right. And he was a big guy. They weren't in his size. Yeah. So he couldn't even have got a leg into them. Apparently there was also wigs wigs in there but the family say there was only one wig and it was kind of like a halloweeny style mm -hmm. wig so who knows they also said that on his computer were all of these like bondage and, and fetish websites that he clicked on but the family say actually they were they weren't searches it was stuff he'd clicked off which happens to me when, yeah. you know, you get porn and all sorts of weird stuff that comes up on pop-ups and you click it off. Yeah. But it could be twisted against you. So I, I don't know. So every step of the way, the family are debunking Disputing. all of the... Yeah. And the family is saying this is a cover-up because the entire flat had been wiped clean yeah. of prints. And at the time, back in 2010, there wasn't enough forensic tools to be able to decipher whose DNA was on the padlock. but And also there was a, a strand of hair found in Gareth's hand, but it didn't have the hair root. So at the time they couldn't do anything with his hair, but now they can. Mm -hmm. And actually in June of this year, they they said they're re-looking into the case because of the new DNA techniques. So there hasn't been anything since then, but yeah, they are definitely looking into it. And... Back in 2015, there were more stories about this guy that he'd illegally hacked secret information on former President Bill Clinton. There was also ideas that he'd been, he'd, yeah, just found crazy stuff. So I don't know. There's a lot of conspiracy theories around this case. And I don't know how it, this is going to go, but I just wanted to talk about this because... I'd love to know what the latest is. I'd like to know. I've always been intrigued about this case. Yes. There were all sorts of crazy conspiracy things, including things like forensic officers who had been there said that forensic tiles had been moved. So the, the scene had been tampered with. Okay. They were asking why nobody at MI6 raised any kind of warning for a week. So and wow. even after the family had said, listen, we haven't heard from our son for a while. Has he come to work? So the family had raised the alarm. Mm. Like I said, you know, there was no DNA in the flat and the 
The police deny that the flat had been forensically cleaned. Mm -hmm. So uh, there were no palm prints on any surface in the bathroom. They were trying to make out that there was a semen stain in the bathroom that belonged to an unidentified person. So they don't... They tried to make it look like a sex game gone wrong or yep. something. Yeah. Yes, and they did. Paint him as being really kinky. Yeah. So unfortunately, I brought this up because it's a really strange way to die. Yeah. This guy was found in a bag. However... They, in 2015, I think it was, they came to the conclusion that he killed himself. So they changed the ruling from being foul play to, oh, he put himself in the bag. But again, the family have come back and said, it's impossible to have padlocked that bag from yeah. the outside. So, you know, it's... It's a really strange case and I'm going to keep my eye on this because I think this is going to run and run. Well, I would so, love to know. Yeah, the body in the bag. The body in the bag, the spy in the bag, I think they called him. Yes, that's really interesting. www.eavesdroppingpodcast.com Hello at eavesdroppingpodcast.com Email us a story. Share, like, all of that. Follow our social media. Like, subscribe. Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, you know what you At eavesdropping underscore. You yep. got that oh, right. eavesdropping. Thank you, Michelle, because that is an intriguing story. Some of your other stories were a bit iffy, but that, <laughs> but that one was really good. So thank you. But listen, so we're going to go off soon and leave you to your to recover and have your own scrubbing down after hearing those horrific stories. They were grimy. They were grimy stories. Sorry, people. So I've had a request from an eavesdropper a lovely listener called Nina. Now, we've spoken about Nina before. She is full of good energy and good vibes herself. And she has made a request that I ask all of our lovely listeners to please think about some good positive vibes and energies that you can send to her because she's not very well at the moment. And she would love it if everybody would send her their positivity her way. Oh, wonderful. I'm going to because we love Nina on this show. Nina's a great eavesdropper. She yeah. needs her hands on people. And she it does. Feels good. She's yeah. healing hands. And I've often thought in the past, oh, I wish Nina would put her hands on me. But she, <laughs> she can do it via the phone and all sorts. She can just think about you. And I think that's what we need to do for her because she's not very well at the moment and she'd love a bit of uplifting, positive energy from everybody. Can we do that? Yay. Well, I'm going to do it right now. Nina, here's some positive vibes for you. Sending vibes, love. Good times, joy, all for you, Nina. Beautiful. Mwah. I even gave her some kisses. She got kisses as well. <laughs> have you got mistletoe in your house, Michelle? Are you going to have it no. when you get back? I don't need mistletoe. I just get kisses whenever I want. Snogging all day long. Uh, do, you, do you lay down the deerskin rug and just roll on it in front of the fireplace, a la James Bond, when you get to the Swiss Alps? Yes, but we don't have a real fireplace. We have to put the Netflix fire on. That's all we've got. <laughs> we haven't got the real one. But yes, we, we can do the old roll around with a glass of champs. Very Christmassy. That's a really nice thought to, for everyone to leave with this week <laughs> compared to boiling eyeballs and other things that we've spoken about. Apologies for those horrible stories. I don't know what I was thinking. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Well, we just hope that our <laughs> lovely listeners can stomach it. But in the meantime, we just want to say to you guys whatever you do wherever you go just, just keep, keep eavesdropping, eavesdropping. 
Eavesdropping. Eavesdropping. Eavesdropping. Eavesdropping.